what we just got done doing, prayer is, is one of the great mysteries of our faith. Why do we pray? If God is sovereign, God's will is going to be done, why, did, why does he want to hear from, from us? What does prayer do? Does it change anything? What should we pray for? Are there things we shouldn't pray for? It's a mystery. Um, the story is told of a little boy in church who was getting too rowdy, too loud, too disruptive. Finally, his dad scooped him up and threw him over his shoulder and headed for the side door to go teach Junior a lesson. And right as they hit the side door, the little guy popped his head up and yelled out to the congregation, y'all pray for me, please. Right? That's a good time for prayer. Uh, a different dad took his son out to lunch. They went to a diner. It was full, so they set up at the, at the counter. And as the waitress brought their food, uh, dad just said, son, let's just say our own silent prayers. And so they quietly bowed their heads. And as dad brought his head up, he noticed his son was still praying. And a few minutes later, he was still praying. A few minutes later, he was still praying. Finally, he picked his head up and started eating. And dad thought, and after a while, said, you know, son, you can always talk to me about stuff. Oh, I know, dad. Well, son, if you don't mind me asking, I just noticed you sure prayed a long time there. What's on your heart that would lead you to pray for that long? And a little boy looked up at his dad with a puzzled look and said, how should I know? It was silent. It's a mystery. But then there are other prayers. Mary, Queen of Scots, Way back in the day, she was the Queen of Scotland who was trying to violently keep uh, the Reformation from spreading across Scotland. And the great reformer, John Knox, was in his heyday. And Mary, Queen of Scots, said this about John Knox. She said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than I fear an army of 10,000 men. And somewhere in all that is prayer. Because I think most of us who have prayed at all have been like the two little boys in the first two stories. Haven't you waited until the pain is about to start? Even pain that comes from your own bad decisions, and then you go, man, I should probably pray. Haven't you, if you're honest, Felt at times like the other little boy. I mean, prayer is prayer just kind of a quiet waste of time? But wouldn't you like to be a prayer like John Knox? Who makes a monarch tremble? Or wouldn't you like to have someone, a prayer? of the apparent caliber of John Knox. Wouldn't you like to have somebody like that praying for you? Well, guess what? If you believed in, in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, if you're redeemed, whatever you want to call that, if that's true about you, you have something even better going on. 
when you pray. Did you know God prays to God on your behalf? Did you know that? It's true. This one we're not going to read today, but in a couple weeks, if you're here, we will read together, and Paul is going to say that Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, God the Son, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Interceding is just a fancy word that means get involved in. Gets involved in your life and talks to the Father about what's going on with you. And that's prayer. So Jesus prays for you. And today, Paul's going to say the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, prays, intercedes for us. But Paul's going to tell us we have our responsibility in prayer as well. We're going to read our little passage today. We only have two verses today. Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verses 26 and 27. Paul's speaking to the church in Rome. He says this, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words or imperceptible or wordless groanings. Verse 27. And God, he who searches the heart, the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay. Because our normal practice, the way it works best here, uh, I spend time studying a passage of Scripture, and we come in and study Scripture. We go through a, a book at a time, but we study this in little snippets. And so sometimes it's hard to lose where the snippet of Scripture like comes from in Paul's, in this case, Paul's bigger argument. It can seem like today we're going to talk about prayer. And so I tell you prayer stories and we're going to talk about prayer. And it's not like Paul was sitting down going, all right, I need to tell these people something about prayer. Okay, I know what I'll say. And he wrote these verses. This comes right out of what Paul has been saying. And so I want you to know where this comes from. Last week, what we studied last week, um, in case you weren't here or in case you were here and don't remember so good, uh, here's what Paul said last week. This plate is broken. All creation groans and suffers. This is a fallen place. This world is painful. But if we're Christians, we can suffer with hope. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and that gives us like, we have a little bit of eternity in our hearts. We know God's going to call it a wrap. Glory is coming. And we long for what's next. That's one way the Spirit helps us. And now, Paul says, I got another way to talk to you about how the Spirit helps us in a broken, painful world. That's where this comes from. He's going to tell us our problem first. The first part of verse 26, Paul says, in the same way, your Bible might say likewise, which is a word that means in the same way. Don't throw those words away. That just means this, is, this comes from what I've been telling you about. 
Here's another way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So hasn't changed topics, just a new way the Spirit helps us. Last time, he makes us long for our full adoption, right? Our forever dad is coming to pick us up. That was last week. Here's a new way the Spirit helps us. That the Spirit helps us should not be a surprise if we've been reading the New Testament from the beginning. Jesus promised last night of his life, things got really scary for his disciples. And as if to say, I know it's scary, boys, but don't worry. And he said this multiple different ways. I'm going to send you a, I'm going to send you a helper or an advocate. In the simplest sense, that's who the, the Holy Spirit is for us. I don't want to take the time to go through all of the ministries the Holy Spirit does in us, for us, but they all help us. Everything the Spirit does. He preserved, he authored or inspired the scriptures and he helps us understand it. Does that help us? You bet. He convicts us of sin. Why? Because he just wants to make us feel lousy? No. As it turns out, Sinning is bad for us. Not sinning is better for us. And so he helps us. He's a helper. He does all that to glorify Jesus Christ. But he's a helper. So that's not new information. But Paul has one specific weakness in mind that he wants to tell us about today, that the Spirit helps us in this broken, painful world. Here's our weakness that we need help with. We don't know how to pray. Paul's not saying we don't know the right techniques. He's not saying, he's just saying this, we, we literally don't know what to ask for. And he makes this as a blanket statement for all Christians. He even includes who? He even includes himself. Paul doesn't say you JV Christians don't know what to pray for. And we varsity Christians, we know. This is none of us. Isn't that a weird thing for Paul to say just as a blanket statement for all Christians? You don't know what to pray. What do you mean, Paul? If I'm getting ready to have surgery, I pray that it goes well. If I'm sick, I pray for healing. If I'm unemployed, what would you pray for? I pray for a job. What do you mean I don't know what to pray for? How's this true? Why is this true? But that's absolutely what he says. We have a weakness in this broken world. We don't know what to pray for. Here's why that's true. this is true. I'm going to get ahead of ourselves a little bit. If we glance down in verse 27, you know why we don't know what to pray for? Because we don't know the will of God. I'm going to get out of verse 27. That's the reason we don't know what to pray for is because we don't know what's best. You want to know what's best for you in your life every single time? The will of God. That's what's best. Every single time. Even when it doesn't feel like it's best, it's always best. It's been said if I had all of the information that God has, 
I would ask for what God has already given. Just because we can't understand why God's will is best does not mean that there's not a reason that God's will is best. We just don't have all the information. Because we don't know what God's will is, we know God's will is best. We don't know what it is. And so we don't know what to pray for. Because we don't know God's will. Does that make sense? If we knew God's perfect will, we would know exactly what to pray for. But we don't. Consequently, we can't be good judges of what we actually, truly need and what is best. Even if we get to the point where we're so mature in Christ, like I'm willing to suffer if that's what's best. I'm willing to lose out if that's what's best. But we don't know if that's what's best. If, let's say you have a job you hate. How could you best glorify God? If God would give you a new job that you like better, or by suffering through and glorifying him in the job you don't really like, which, which one would glorify God better? I don't know. So how do I know which one to pray for? Should I be praying for a new job I like better, or should I be praying for the strength to endure and glorify God in the job I'm in? I don't know. Young people, how do you know which college to pray to get into? I don't know. Should your cars broke down, should you be praying for a new car or that God would help you fix the old one? How many of you have wrestled through that one? Or maybe you should be praying for the endurance to ride your bike. How do you know? How about this one? I don't want you to, but maybe you'll find yourself in this situation. Do I pray that God would use this new experimental chemo regimen that's going to ravage my body to heal me? Or should I pray that God would just heal me miraculously without that? Or should I pray that I use this other one that maybe is not as hard on my body, but the doctors don't think it would be as successful? Or should I pray that God would give me the courage to die with grace and dignity for his glory? Which one of those is best? I don't know. And neither do you. The fact is, Paul's right, we often don't know what to pray. And Paul includes himself. We can see this in Paul's life. Was Paul the kind of guy that was willing to stand up and preach Jesus in front of the godless authorities and whatever you want to do with me is fine? Was Paul that kind of guy? Yes. But in at least one occasion, in the city of Damascus, Paul crawled in a basket and he asked his friends to tie a rope on that basket and lower him out like a window in the wall so that he could sneak away from the godless authorities that wanted to kill him. Now, 
How did Paul know when to pray for the courage to stand and when to pray for the sneakiness to get away without getting caught? You know what he's admitting right now? He didn't know. Paul wasn't getting emails from God either. Sometimes he got more than we did. Now, I think I've beat that horse enough. We won't always know what to pray. Some of you are living through this right now. How many of you have, uh, how many of you have had this one? My, uh, my mom's elderly. She ain't who she used to be. And I don't know whether to pray for her to keep getting better or pray for her to just go home. How do you know what to pray? But I want you to see this. This is a, an interesting word that gets translated into helps. I'm going to show you a Greek word. I usually don't do that because uh, it doesn't mean anything. I just want you to see what a mouthful this thing is. That says, that says, sunantilambanatai. Do you think in this period, every time they wanted to say the word help, they were actually saying sunantilambanatai? It's not the way language works. You come up with an easier word than that. This is a special word. It's a different word. This word cannot be used for helping someone who's helpless. Here's what I mean. If I, uh, which could happen, right? Let's say I just had the big one keeled over right here, fell down on the stage. And so I needed, I needed help, but I was completely helpless. Like I need the little shocker deal out here. Uh, I need a stretcher. That can't be Sunan Tilembanatai because I'm helpless. This kind of help is like if I asked you to help me move this piano. I can't do it myself. But if I asked you to help and you get up here and I lay down on the stage, like you can't help because you can't do it either, right? This word is to be used when somebody else has to come alongside and like help you at the same time. Does that make sense? Carry something together? All right. Here's why Paul uses that weird word that doesn't show up in the scriptures very much at all. Because if we don't pray, we don't get this help. I haven't even told you what the help is yet. But we know right now, the Spirit helps us. But not if we don't pray. Paul assumes we are praying. Even though we don't know what? Very important ingredient in prayer. We don't know what to pray. But we still got to pray. You with me so far? <laughs> That's what we've been told. Uh, Leon Morris in his commentary on Romans at this point says this. He's talking about we don't know what to pray, but we cannot hide behind a plea of ignorance and give up prayer. Prayer is part of the Christian life, even if you don't know what to pray. So there's a kind of help we get when we don't know what to pray if we pray, what's it look like? I'm glad you asked. That's the rest of the passage. Here we go. Second part of verse 26 and verse 27. I'll read this again in just a little different translation. So we don't know what to pray. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints according to God's will. 
I want to just distill that for you and put that in sort of the main idea. Here's what Paul's saying. Here's what this means. Essentially, since we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit, because he's God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit knows God's will because the Holy Spirit is God. Okay? We don't know what to pray because we don't know God's will. Holy Spirit does know the, what to pray because he does know God's will. Get it? Okay. We don't know what to pray. So when we pray, the Holy Spirit intervenes in our praying and sort of translates our prayers, edits our prayers, sends them up to the Father on our behalf in a way that his prayer will match the will of God every time. And so it will always be answered Yes, okay. When I pray something that doesn't match the will of God, will that prayer be answered? Well, it won't be answered with a yes. It'll be answered. Just the answer will be no. The Holy Spirit takes my prayer, sends it up to the home office in a way where it's always going to get a yes answer because he knows the will of God. How's that help? Hang on to that. What do we make of this groaning bit? Again, in the context, everything is groaning in this paragraph in Scripture. All of creation's groaning. We are groaning because this world stinks. Paul assumes because we're Christians and Christians pray that we are praying about the stuff that makes us groan. Do you talk to God about the stuff that hurts in your life? Do you talk to God about the stuff that hurts in your life? I want you to leave here this morning with some motivation for why. Paul assumes we are praying about the stuff that makes us groan. The Holy Spirit steps in, sort of pulls rank, and he groans about the stuff we groan about to God. He may change our wording so that he prays exactly what the will of God is for that stuff we are groaning about. And the best always happens. So here's how I'm convinced this works. Let me give you some examples. We might groan, oh God, I hate my job. Not me, I don't hate my job, I love my job. Don't get nervous. Okay, but someone else might groan, I hate my job. And so I groan about that to God. God, please give me a new job. The Holy Spirit might step in, groan on our behalf and say, Father, what he meant to say was, please give him the strength to hang in there and glorify you in this job that hurts. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Or you might pray, Lord, I think I've made a, a decision. I've got my eye on this college. Please help me get into this college, into this program of study, because that's what I want to do with my life. Holy Spirit says, hold on a minute, Father. What she meant to say, she knows you have a better plan for it in a different school, uh, a different kind of training, in a different field of study that will more glorify you Thy will be done. Amen. And that's what will happen. 
We might say, oh God, please let this person fall in love with me. Let this be the one I marry forever. And Holy Spirit says, please forget you ever heard that, Father. Let's don't do that. Let that one be stricken from the record. And then the Holy Spirit might pray, Father, what he meant to pray is keep him focused on you, keep him pure while he waits for the one you have for him. Or the Holy Spirit might say, Father, what she really wants to pray, if she had all the information, is that she wants to understand how, that, why and how that your best for her is to be single. Help her see your goodness in that. Hear our prayer, O oh Lord. You might groan one day, Lord, heal me. Lord, heal my spouse. Lord, heal my child. And the Holy Spirit said, Father, our child here just doesn't know what he would really pray if he knew. And so this is what I'm going to pray on his behalf. Help him die with dignity in a way that glorifies Jesus Christ. Help Help this couple see that even the, what they think is the premature loss of their child is either going to die today or 30 years from today. And from an eternal perspective, it doesn't make that difference. But this is going to crush them. It's going to hurt them. What they really want to pray is help them see that you are good and gracious and loving and better while they bury Hear our prayer, O Lord. That's the way this works. Now, what's that mean for us? What are the implications of this? And why is that help? Because here's what I'm necessarily telling you. Sometime you will be convinced this is best. I don't want to die of cancer. And I'm going to pray for God to heal me. And God's going to say no. And that's going to be best. And you're going to have been helped. How's this all work? First, this passage, I think screams for this question to be answered. That, do you see that from reading back through that, I'm, that that's, is what this says, this passage says, that that's what happens. You pray this, that you don't know the Spirit of God because you're, or excuse me, the will of God because you're weak. The Holy Spirit pulls rank, throws your prayers up in an edited version that will get a yes answer even though it's not what you prayed. Why on earth is that the system? I don't know. I got a couple guesses. Here's one guess. First, it helps us dive into and, and believe um, and be involved in this truth. We are completely dependent upon the sovereign goodness of God 
And we're completely dependent on the, on the, the sovereignty of God being good. Like both of those things. When we get the diagnosis, when we don't know what to do, when we hate our job, when whatever it is, all we can do is go to our daddy and say, this hurts. Help. And we're just, we know, we're mature enough to know, I may not be able to pray the right prayer in the right right way and make God change his mind so I can get what I want. It's not the way this works. So I can just be dependent. I can just throw myself at the feet of the one who is in control, who is sovereign, and I can trust that it's good. And it helps me exercise my faith in a good God and in the goodness of that God. It takes a lot of faith to believe what I am getting. Sometimes it takes a lot of faith to believe what I'm getting right now is best. Is somehow best. We just, this system makes us trust in that. We don't have faith in our faith. We don't have faith in our ability to claim and call and do and cajole. We have faith in the goodness of our God. All right, a few implications here, and then we're going to end with one question. First, because that is the system, implication number one is this. You don't have to figure out God's will in every situation. That, my friends, should take some pressure off. I owe uh, uh, John Piper uh, for this point. Several things in this sermon, really. He does a good job with this. If you're someone who wants to be right all the time, this system will chafe you a little bit. Because at the very beginning, Paul says, we, including me, the Apostle Paul, we have this weakness. We don't even know what to pray for. And half the time when we pray, we'll be praying wrong. But here's the good news. This means we're not expected to try and figure out what God's will is so we can be right when we're praying. You know why that's a good thing? Because I can go to God and really pray for what I want. I don't have to pretend it's not what I want. Right? If Rachel gets cancer, I'm going to be praying that God cures her. I'm going to be begging, and I'm going to believe he's going to. And if we learn that that's not what it's going to be, Sorry, I didn't write that one in my notes. That one got me. I'm going to hold her hand while she dies. And she's going to be better off. And I'm going to come stand up here and tell you how good Jesus is. We don't have to figure out the God of the universe. We just go pour our heart out. And then we're responsible for responding to what he has given We don't have to, oh, I didn't do this and I didn't pray right and I had a little bit of doubt and all that stuff. No. The Holy Spirit is going to help us and pray God's will and that's what we are going to get and it's going to ultimately be good. You don't have to know 
to figure out, to discern God's will in every situation. Implication number two, but this one's not in the passage, but I wanted to throw it in anyway. But that doesn't mean we can never know God's will because we can. Don't ignore the times when you can know God's will. The Holy Spirit inspired this book. And he is not ever going to pray for you something that contradicts what's in this book. So you want to know what the Spirit, what God's will for you is? Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here's how we do this. I prayed. God heard my prayer. I know I was listened to. I'm somehow getting what's best, even though I don't understand how this could be best. But thank you, God, because you're smarter than me and you're bigger than me. What I'm getting is best. Thank you. So, when we have the revealed will of God, stand on it. Right? Don't ignore, we can't know. There's enough we don't know. Don't ignore what we do. Get that? Implication number three, we are expected and we are commanded to pray. I made a point of this as we went through. There, are, there is a help we won't get unless we pray. Do you ever have a parent or a teacher that you kind of figured them out and you knew before you asked, you knew the stuff he or she would say yes to, and so that's the stuff you asked. And you kind of knew they were going to say no even before you asked, right? Um, when I was teaching high school, right, my kids figured this out. They would figure out in the right time in the class period when we were done doing our stuff and they were just doing seat work or whatever, there's probably an acceptable time to come up and ask to leave the room to, for whatever else as long as it was a reasonable time. They would come up, they would ask, knowing I would say yes. And I would. Unless I had a good reason not to. But if the same kid got out of his seat and just headed for the door, I would go, whoa, 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 whoa. Where do you think you're going? Oh, I'm going to the bathroom. No, you're not. Sit down. Well, I have to go. I don't care. You got to ask. Well, can I go to the bathroom? No, not now. Sit down. Hate the way this works. You know, in a crazy way, I think our prayer, we just learned our prayer life can be like that. There's a, there is a yes we don't get if we don't pray. This is what James said when he, meant when he said, sometimes we don't have because we don't. Christians, pray. And I will confess to you, I am not a great prayer. But I'm supposed to be. I mentioned this one already. It just takes a lot of faith to live this way. To just throw yourself on the mercy of the sovereignty of God and believe this is best. I've prayed about it. I've been heard. And obviously, I prayed for this. The Holy Spirit prayed for that. And that was the yes I got. And that's actually what I should want because it's best. It takes a lot of faith to live this way. It's easier to feel like I can still uh, cajole, coerce, claim God. All right, I've been leaving this one. So, given what I've just learned, 
tell me again why I should want to pray. Or maybe I should say this, tell me again why that is help. Because Paul said the Holy Spirit helps us by changing the, what we actually prayed for and into something that we'll get a yes, even though it's different than what we prayed for. How is that help? Here's why. Oh, I used it already, and this time I won't cry, I promise. Um, so, Rachel is diagnosed with something. We're begging God for healing. Is it going to be tough for me to hold her hand while she dies? You know what I could use? Some help. If I didn't ask for this help, even though the Holy Spirit, he's going to help me and he's going to pray, not ha ha ha, he's wrong again, God. She's going to die. He's going to say, Father, help him. This is going to be hard. It's not what he thinks he wants. It's not what he thinks is best. He's going to need your help to get through what really is best. Do you want that help? In the day when it is too bad, you won't even be able to understand how this possibly isn't the best, what you're getting. That's when you need more help than any other time. That's when people despair. That's when people walk from this faith because they think God has not held up some end of a bargain he never made. Do you want help in that day? Then pray for what hurts. Then pray for help. Here's the good part. Even if you get it wrong, you get the help. How good is God? See, it's not, oh, if God was good... He would hear my prayer and give me what I want. No, God gives you what you need even when you don't know what you want. That's a good God. He's he's, just heard a song this week that I can't stop playing. He is bigger than I thought he was. Pray with me and we will finish. Father God, um, I've wondered about this passage for decades, Lord. And I thank you for teaching it. Uh, you, the Holy Spirit, helped us today. He helped me understand what he inspired and preserved for us to, to study. And you, uh, he helped me proclaim that, Lord. And, and, and you help people here, all of us, understand some stuff about you we didn't know. And God, somebody here, one of us, is going to be the next one who really needs help. Help us pray for one another. Help us pray for what hurts so that we can get the help that you give even when we don't know what help we need. You are that big. You are that good. We love you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.